Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 175. On Now You Know. Brought to you as always by our wonderful, amazing Patreon patrons. We can't do the show without you. Go check out Patreon because there are a lot of great perks and you'll be helping to support the show. And sponsored by our friends at the Solar Powered Hotels in Schaumburg, Illinois, the Fairfield Inn and Suites by Marriott, and the Town Place Suite Hotel right next door. They're both connected. They're both solar powered. And brought to you by a betterrouteplanner.com. This is how you can plan out very elaborate trips in your Tesla or any electric car. And they just came out with their app so you can get it right on your phone. And as Amazon Associates, we earn from qualifying purchases. The link is down below. And we've got new designs uploaded every week to ecoware.us, where you can get carbon offset and carbon negative merchandise that helps support the show. We just planted over a thousand trees. And uh, yeah, if you got a Model 3, maybe you need a Model 3 t-shirt. And we're going to be headed down to Fully Charged Live in Austin in February. Um, if you haven't picked up tickets yet... Don't worry. I think you can still get tickets. You can use our discount code NYK2019 for 15% off tickets, even though it's 2020. So by now, we all know that uh, EV regulations are requiring that when EVs are traveling slowly, they need to make some kind of sound to let pedestrians know that they're around. Until you give it the, you know. So Elon tweeted last weekend, Teslas will soon talk to people if you want. This is real. Well, don't just stand there staring. Hop in. So was that Patrick Stewart? No, that definitely wasn't him. I don't know what voice actor they used, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, can you imagine standing there as a pedestrian and hearing that? Are you going to feel like you're invited now to hop in someone's Tesla? Is that a problem? I I would be a little worried about actually playing that because- but Good news though, because the Model S, right? The door handles are recessed into the car. So there's no way you can, you can grab them. The Model 3, no one knows how to use them. True. And the same thing with the Model X. So even if they wanted to get in your car, first of all, when you put it in drive most of the time, it locks the car. Right. So no one's going to be able to just hop in. But they might try to, and that might be a little weird. Yeah, that's it's a little strange. So the news has done nothing but criticize Elon's dance moves. Um, this was at the Model 3 delivery event in Shanghai last week. Now, yeah, what, why, why was he dancing? Right. The news didn't seem to pick up on why he was dancing. So, first of all, he was asked to by the presenter there okay. at the at the unveiling um, because uh, the Chinese people demanded it. But, I mean, what was the instigation to make him dance? I don't understand. Well, exactly one year before, Elon danced at the, you know, like – the event where they were going to start building the Gigafactory I, 3. I don't remember him dancing a year Let's before. Take a look. Okay. That, but okay. that is not dancing in my opinion. That's like doing a little... Let's get this building started. Right. Uh, yeah, there's a little jig maybe, a little ditty, but I don't but know if this was a... full-blown, like, it's time for a wedding party. Right. And I don't know. what Are we... He's not on Dancing with the Stars, A. So he hasn't practiced, you're saying? Well, yeah. And also... You don't throw in the walk like an Egyptian unless you're pretty self-aware about it. So he knew that he wasn't like he wasn't yeah. out there to bust a move. He and was just... I mean, let's put it in context. The Shanghai Gigafactory one year later now up and running and the stock price going through the roof. Right. And everyone there was clapping him on. It's not like he was. It's not like there were crickets playing as yeah. he was. Dan it's not. And he's worth over $9 billion now. Right. So, I mean, he has a lot to be dancing about. And for everyone to be criticizing his dance moves, it's like, what? who do you think this guy is? Like, he's it's, an engineer. It's not like when Microsoft had their little dance party. Yeah. Remember that? Yeesh. Like, see, they weren't even doing it ironically. <laughs> yeah, that was. there's no self-aware there. Right. Dancing aside, let's just stop talking about the dancing, please. Okay. This was an event where they were delivering the first Chinese-produced Model 3s to Chinese customers in China. And so he delivered the first, I believe it was 15 Model 3s to customers in China. That was really cool. And then he went on to talk about something else. He said, I think something that would be super cool would be to, and so we're going to do it, we're going to try to do it, would be to create a China design and engineering center to actually design a car in China for worldwide consumption. Oh, right. I remember hearing this at the end, and I was like, what is he talking about? Right. And he says, uh, China has some of the best art in the world. Try something kind of radical, like Cybertruck. Nobody expected that. Try something cool and different, something we haven't seen before, something that moves their heart. 
gets you right there. So it sounds to me <laughs> a China design center. Like, wow, that's a big move. Let's just walk through this for a minute. A year ago, nothing that you could point to and be like, that's the Gigafactory 3. It was just a field, and you could have pointed to another field and been like, oh, it's actually going to be there. And you'd go, okay, I guess it's that one. I don't know. Like the, A year later, you can't do that because you're like, well, that's there's a giant building over there that says Tesla on it. So I think that's the Gigafactory, not this other field. Right. They were able to accomplish that in one year. Yeah. And I think that that has led to a lot of excitement from Elon to basically see that uh, in China, if if the conditions are right, which they apparently are, you can get a lot of stuff done. And then speaking of the Gigafactory 3, we've got these shots from Tesla showing what's going on inside the Gigafactory. Pretty cool. They're showing here not only the paint shop, but the assembly line and the inspection line. So really cool to see that it's actually a factory in there. Yeah. Well, if the Chinese design center doesn't work, maybe this will. What's this? This is a Model 3 with a downgraded battery pack. Oh. And in the front, mm -hmm. there's an engine. What, what, a gas burning engine? Yeah. What? So, well, okay. Let, let me, let's, I want to solve a problem for you. Um, do you like to drive 1,000 kilometers straight without any sort of brake whatsoever? No. Well, no, no, you... Yes. No, you do want that. Oh, I do want that? Yeah. Okay. You want to be able to drive 1,000 kilometers without any sort of bathroom brake, right? And, That's 600 miles. And would you like to burn fuel after only 100 of those kilometers? Wait, so you're talking about making a plug-in hybrid Model 3? Tesla's making a plug-in hybrid Model 3? Uh, no, this is Oberst Powertrain. They have made a plug-in hybrid out of a Model 3. Why? Well, they claim that it will cost 20,000 euros. Uh, oh, so it's cheaper. It'll be a, if you were to do it, according to their math... It would it would cost uh, cheaper. Now this isn't Wait, anything because they, they use less batteries. They use less batteries and they put in an engine. Wait, so I still don't understand how it could be so cheap. Well, <laughs> you're thinking you you seem to have Model Three stuck in your mind. This is going to have a sixty mile electric range. So oh, so way less. The batteries. battery is going to be really small. Oh, okay. Um, so that's how you can get the price so low. Now I would argue that we already have this. Oh, we do. It's called a Volt. Oh, yeah. You can't buy a new one anymore because GM has stopped, is, is stopped making them. But, I mean, plug-in hybrids are not new, right? Th no. there, there is already a Volt. So why why bring out this sort of Model 3 dumb hybrid thing when we could just have a Model 3 for slightly more, but it wouldn't burn any fuel? Because, I mean, Oberus Power said that this is going to be 40% efficient. So, I mean, the whole point in doing this is just to lower the cost? It's to lower the cost and to alleviate range anxiety, which... Have they ever driven a Tesla on the supercharger network? Right. It, there's no range anxiety. Yeah. It's it's pretty silly. Why do people do this? I, I, I don't know. So if you're on the waiting list for a Tesla Semi... Like us. Uh, then you just got an email from them uh, telling you that they are working on a few things. So first thing is they've been testing for two years now on the, the prototypes of the semi-truck, and they are pleased with how the test trucks have handled common hazards like poor road conditions, potholes, and curb strikes. And they are about to begin cold weather testing. And interesting, they say here, as the truck's design continues to mature, those improvements are being rolled into our plans for building more production representative vehicles, which we will have more details on next year. And I'm a little confused because I thought by the end of this year, 2020, there were going to be some production. Uh, there will be. There will be limited production this year. Yeah, but they just said that they're going to tell us more about it next year. So, okay, my, my thinking here is that they have been doing a lot of work in the background and we haven't been able to see hardly any of it, right? There was this, there was the semi-truck unveil mm -hmm. and then the Roadster came out and we all forgot about the semi-truck for like two years. But in that time, they have been testing these prototypes and I'm sure that they've been putting them through their paces and also uh, making refinements and revisions to the design. And so what I think they need to start doing now is actually putting these to the test, having real truckers drive these for real companies. Oh, I see. So you think that the very first people to get them will actually be helping Tesla to like test them out? I think that a few of these companies that have uh, pre-ordered the truck, like either Pepsi or Anheuser-Busch, are going to get some early trucks. They're going to be, you know, putting them through their paces, uh, doing, you know, reports and studies on them on how it works. They're going to probably have uh, their own mega charger networks. So that way it's all kind of proprietary. Well, know, that's actually the... a good point because, I mean, they're working with Char-In, which is a charging infrastructure 
infrastructure company to help define standards for high-speed, heavy-duty vehicle charging infrastructure. Right. So, I mean, that makes sense because uh, we were mentioning this before. If, say, Walmart and Pepsi make their own chargers and neither company can use the others, then that's not going to really work for a worldwide charging network. Especially for uh, privately owned trucks or trucking companies that want to buy their own and and kind of use them here and there. I, I think that that wouldn't work so well. So yeah, I think in the beginning, it's definitely going to be this sort of private locked off thing. Um, it's going to be very behind closed doors sort of thing until they have that data to show that it works, to show that it, hmm. um, you know, to because, I mean, there's a lot of different numbers that companies want to see. It's not just so much that, like, people are attracted to it, kind of like with the Model 3, where they're just like, oh, that's that's cool. I like all the features. They want to know the cost savings but and I mean, the maintenance. We've, we've heard about this Tesla Semi being tested with loads going up hills in, you know, uh, mountain passes. Right. So I feel like Tesla does have a lot of data. They do, but I think... Having a third party kind of verify what Tesla's been telling us is going to be a lot more powerful. And yeah, those those numbers in terms of energy costs and maintenance are going to be very, very important, uh, especially when they're going out to sell this to other uh, trucking companies, uh, because that's the kind of stuff that they want to know. We're signed up to get the truck. Yeah, I mean, on the night of the unveil, we signed up. So we're very high on the list. Right. But this might mean that we're slightly delayed because it's probably right. going to be like, unless we're going to set up some truck route, Tesla isn't going to want to work with us. Fair enough. Yeah. You know. Maybe we should set up a truck route. It, <laughs> maybe we need to start an entire company uh, with, with trucking. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it, my guess would be that this is the, the direction that they're going to go. But I'm very excited to see what, what we're going to be hearing about next year. So according to Automotive News, GM will be running a Super Bowl ad featuring basketball star LeBron James as the celebrity spokesperson for a revived Hummer brand. This time, electric. So wait, they're going to hang on. It's a, hang, it's a, it's a, an electric Hummer. Yeah. So it now appears that GM will be investing three billion dollars in building a new line of premium electric pickup trucks at its Detroit Hamtrank plant, starting in late 2021 under the GMC Hummer brand. Okay. So wait a minute. So they're making a pickup truck. Yeah. It's not a Hummer. Not a Hummer. It's electric. I mean, but it is a Hummer. It's a Hummer, but it's like the opposite of a Hummer because a Hummer well, is a gas guzzling meat-eating right. kind of vehicle. Right. And now you're going to make one that's electric and is also a pickup truck. Right. How does the brand handle this? So remember, the brand was acquired by GM in 1998. Mm -hmm. um, and then it kind of peaked in 2006 in sales. And then GM shuttered the brand in 2009 when they went bankrupt. So what are Hummer's two worst problems? Gas guzzling. Mm -hmm. And the fact that when GM rolled out the car, it was sold at solo dealerships. Basically, you couldn't go to a regular GM dealership to buy a Hummer. You had to go to a Hummer dealership. I see. So GM seems to be solving these two problems, they think, with the Hummer brand by making it electric, so it's no longer gas guzzling, mm -hmm. and having the Hummer sold at GM dealerships. The, the questions that are bubbling around my mind are, are they going to keep the same shape? Because how do you keep the same brand if it's going to look different? If it is the same shape... How is it going to be in any way efficient enough unless they just stuff it full of batteries, which I don't think GM has the ability to do. And the second part of this plan is they say that in 2023, they'll be making electric Sierras and Escalades at the plant. I think you're bringing up a good point, which is that GM and Ford seem to be having the same problem, right? They only have these brands left. Mustang for Ford, Hummer for GM. And instead of coming up with something new and just saying, hey, you know what? Let's just make a new brand and start over. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just like, what do we got that people know? Hummer. Now, they're fighting themselves, in my opinion, because putting out a Hummer just calls to mind gas guzzling and ginormous and that look, that military look, which right. I don't know if that's what they're going to go for. Now, let's speak about design for a second. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned before that you have an idea like that you would do if you were GM. Right. Uh, my idea would be to not go after this like 2001, 2000 you know, 1998 look of the Hummer, but instead go like way back, like some 60s or 50s pickup trucks because oh. everyone loves the way that they look. And GM owns the body shape of their pickup trucks from back then. Why not just produce them now with an electric drivetrain? That's a good point. And I mean, if we think back to what Franz von Holzhausen, uh, Tesla's chief designer, did when he worked for Pontiac, this is the Pontiac Solstice, which he designed. And it's you're right. It's it's this combination of classic 
and futuristic. Right. And so you take someone like him, he's really good at this. Like, yeah, if GM could pull that off and have a classic looking yet futuristic uh, design, that could be great. Because one of the biggest reasons that people don't drive around these pickup trucks now is because the engines in them are old, A, and B, when they were produced, weren't that efficient, clean, anything. So if you put an electric drivetrain in in one of these pickup trucks and you modernized some of the features, like you put in some cup holders and Apple Play or whatever you want to, you know, stick in the car, I think that they would sell well. I, I just... Hummer brand. It's just so the antithesis yeah. of, of what they're going for. I don't know. It, it could work, right? We'll find out at the Super Bowl. Yeah. So do you ever get in one of those discussions with a coworker or an uncle and they're like, battery storage will never be a thing because how could you ever make enough batteries? Well, take a look at this. No, it's not an office tower being built. It's actually energy storage. So a three-year-old company called Energy Vault in Switzerland has developed a system of stacking giant 35-ton bricks using this six-crane system to build a 500-foot tower. Okay, great. Why? Well, you put energy into it when you lift the blocks, and then you get the energy back out when you lower them. Oh, okay. So you have some crane operator just up there all day like, well, I need power. I'll just... Uh, no, it's, like... it's fully autonomous. So those six cranes are operating all the time under a uh, computerized autonomous system. Uh, it's a software algorithm and machine vision software to place the bricks in the most efficient way possible. Hmm. Um, excess solar or wind energy is stored in the tower. And the CEO and co-founder, Rob Bacconi, explains that the blocks are not made of new concrete, but rather 95% of the composite brick is made locally with old construction rubble and soil. And so instead of pumped hydro, which requires you, you know, build a hydroelectric dam and then a way to pump the, the water back up and then you have to flow it back through the turbines... You're just picking things up and putting them back down. Again. Yeah, because I want to remind you guys about hydro. Hydro seems really cool, right? Because it's uh, clean mm -hmm. and it's renewable. But pumped hydro only is about 70% efficient when you pump that water back up the hill. And you're then putting water into an ecosystem that maybe didn't want water there in the first place. Like maybe it was a river that you had to dam up. Um, and so pumped hydro does have its problems, whereas this is pretty much just sitting there in the middle of, a, say, a wind field um, as a, this 500-foot tower just doing its thing all day long. Now, according to Piconi, $600 billion will get spent over the next 20 years to solve the energy storage problem. So it can't probably all be solved by lithium-ion batteries. This could be a huge solution. And SoftBank just invested $110 million in it. Interesting. And, I mean, you could even imagine a system where... You know, this isn't going to be able to react at the at the micro second level. Um, so you could have a small battery bank sitting right next to it. Oh, like lithium ion batteries. Right. And that would cover the kind of like, you know, the grid needs power. Grid right. not, up more, now less down. And then, you know, the general trend, you just like pick up the block, oh, put it back down, you know, like. Right. That could totally work. And this is another reason to subscribe to our channel because we're reaching out to companies like this to find out more. So Mazda's engineers have been working on this new MX-30. Oh, yeah? Fully electric car. Uh -huh. And so they have been tuning the torque delivery of the MX-30's electric motors. Nice, because the thing I love about electrics is they just so much torque right off the line. No, 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 no. They've, they've, they've really reduced that. What? Yeah, they want it to be. They want it to feel more like um, an internal combustion engine car. Why? Uh, well, you know, because. <laughs> what the whole cool part about an electric car is? It's got instant torque. Yeah, but they want it to be less crazy. They don't want it to be so exciting to drive. You know, that's not Mazda's thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No. Are you old enough to remember the, the ads they used to have, the Zoom Zoom ads? I think they still run Zoom Zoom ads. So Zoom Zoom <laughs> means uh, acceleration. Well, let's let's talk about the MX-30 for a second. It's going to be able to go 0 to 60 in 9 seconds. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's because they tuned it. It's going to have a 35.5 kilowatt hour battery and a 105 kilowatt motor which outputs about 142 horsepower. Just for comparison, the 2011 Nissan Leaf had 107 horsepower. So I think that this is the this is the reason why they're basically saying that it has a zero to 60 in nine seconds is because that's 
pretty much all it can do. I don't think that there was much tuning that went into this car. I think that they are just trying to make excuses for the fact that their powertrain is nowhere near as powerful as a, as a Tesla. I thought they engineered it that way so that gasoline engine drivers could get in it and feel like, oh, I'm used to this slow accelerating vehicle. Like that That is one it's idea. Just marketing. It's, it's just marketing. Yeah. It's, it's like, how can we take a kind of crappy car? Because let's keep in mind, it's going to have 130 miles of WLTP range, which means that it's realistically you're getting about 110 to 120 miles oh, really? of electric range. So why bother? You can get a Leaf for that, and the Leaf will have more spirited acceleration if you buy a new one. Right. I mean, come on. So the Rocky Mountain Institute, RMI, has released a study where they interviewed two dozen utilities, hardware providers, software providers, and operators of charging networks and others. And this is what they found. We strongly suspect that soft costs are a big part of the reasons why charger installation costs in the U.S. are three to five times the cost of the charger itself, a much higher ratio than that seen in Europe. Indeed, soft costs were frequently cited as more significant cost drivers than charging station hardware in the U.S. Soft costs were also identified as some of the most problematic and unpredictable costs that developers of charging networks encounter, and they are often the reason why a candidate site for a charging station is rejected or abandoned, even after significant expenses have been incurred in its development. Worse, when a site under development must be abandoned, the normal expenses incurred for activities like securing a site lease, designing an installation, and building it can be compounded by additional costs such as late fees, and penalties. So what are these soft costs? Soft costs are the prolonged delays for permitting and easements. So basically you want to build something, now you have to go through a whole design process and mm -hmm. permitting with the town or a city, and then you have to get easements onto the property, like oh, we're gonna have to dig this line across your lot, so I'm gonna have to get an easement on your property and file that with the town. And all those things take time and those are soft costs because meanwhile you're just keeping your construction crews waiting and you, you know, People are having to just sit there and charging you fees for waiting. And so these soft costs apply to everyone, everyone who's trying to install a charger, whether it's a residential, just a homeowner, or if it's a business owner just trying to put in some level two charging outside of their business, all the way up to large, uh, you know, charging providers. Yeah. And usually the bigger the, the project, the more expensive it gets. If you look at this chart here, you can see that it's you know fairly inexpensive to put in level two charging, and then the price just keeps going up. But some good news here, look at this chart of home charger costs. The cost of a 7.7 kilowatt level two charger has dropped on average from $1,200 in 2010 to less than $400 in 2019. Wow. And the takeaway from this study, I think, is that power utilities are slowing this down and causing costs to remain way higher than they should. That's the first takeaway. So power utilities, you're mainly the problem. Secondly, RMI recommends establishing state or national standards for permitting. So if we had a standard process, then we wouldn't have to go through figuring it out from scratch every time. Right. And then lastly, increasing the number of chargers per installation and installing chargers during the construction process. Right. So when you're building that new parking lot, put in the infrastructure for charging. Exactly, because that's the hardest thing. And you have this concrete structure, you have this, you know, it's like, how do how do we how do we get this over there? Right. And so you either are running conduit, which looks ugly, people don't want it, um, it's even more expensive on the outside of the building, or you're gonna have to find some other solution where you're digging underground or you're drilling through things. It's it's a it's a tough job. And so if we just focus on new construction and we just say you need to have charging, it's going to make this uh, switch to EVs a lot quicker and a lot easier. So according to Electrek, Alec Hitzinger, the VW chief executive autonomy said, the ID Buzz will be our first level four capable vehicle. So the ID Buzz you might remember is basically their microbus. Uh, but remade into electric, yeah. and they have been hyping this car for the last four years. Right, and it's going to be their first self-driving vehicle for limited commercial use in 2022. He said, you have a use case where you have very high utilization of your asset, and therefore you can cope with the high cost of the system, and you still have a good business case. And the reason he's saying this is he thinks that autonomy right now costs an additional $100,000 to put all the sensors and computers onto a car. But they think in the next few years, that cost will go down to about $10,000 per car of added cost to make it autonomous. So they're going to take this electric van. Mm -hmm. They're going to add $100,000 worth of gizmos and gadgets. Well, they're hoping that'll be cheaper by the time they do it, but yes. Okay. And 
So only businesses are going to have access to this? Why? Well, I mean, they do say it'll be available for personal use and not just robo-taxi fleets, but they think that the the first adopters of this will be commercial because they think that'll be where the most savings will be. I don't necessarily agree with this, hmm. but that is kind of their vision. And what's interesting to me is at least they're putting some kind of timetable on this. I know they're just picking a date a couple of years out, but uh, it's not too far in the future. It's not like 2030, it's 2022 that they say that they'll have level four autonomy. And let's remind everybody what level four is. Level five means you get in the car, there's no steering wheel, you go to sleep, it gets you where you want to go. Level four is one step back from that. It means that the driver has to take over under extreme conditions like weather or construction. But otherwise, it's it's just point to point. So right. on a nice sunny day, barring no crazy issues, there's no reason for you to even be in the car. Right. And it's not clear whether level four means that the you'd have to be alert or not. It, I think at level four, you could be reading a book and then the car would alert you. I can't keep doing this. You need to take over. Hmm. Interesting to see. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting transition from where we're at now, level two, to level five. Right. All right, quiz. Okay. Is Texas a red state or a green state? Uh, what do you mean? Well, we'll be at Fully Charged Live next month in Austin, Texas, and it's a state which has typically been seen as a red state, right? Republican. But did you know that in 2019, Texas got more power from wind, solar, hydro, and biomass than it did from coal? Really? Yeah. 21.5% from green energy and only 20.3% from coal, according to data from the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. Unfortunately... The little asterisk bad news here is that 47.3% of their energy came from burning natural gas. So it's kind of a green-ish state. It's getting greener. <laughs> it's getting greener. Uh, yeah. I mean, natural gas is better than coal in some respects. <laughs> so some Tesla owners in places with heavy winter conditions, oh, sounds like us, although yeah. <laughs> not today, it's like 60 degrees outside. They've been complaining about fast wear to paint because of salt and sand hitting behind the front wheels. Tesla is now offering a free all weather protection kit, essentially just a small front mud flap. Wait, that's the whole kit? Yeah, so owners in Canada are being emailed to pick up the kit along with self-installation instructions at their service center locations. Why just Canada? We, we live in horrible winter conditions <laughs> along with many other states. Um, I'm assuming that they need to roll it out not based on latitude. But how about like Norway, Sweden? I, I don't know. So wait, we can install it ourselves? Like do we get out there with like a caulking gun and like stick this on or does it like screw to the car? Like how do you attach a mud flap to a car? I'm going to guess that like it's 3M double-sided tape maybe i i would i'd probably feel more comfortable with screws but then i i wouldn't know where to put them in yeah comment below if, if you get the kit and if you've installed it yourself maybe send us a video of you installing it i would love to see a how to install it and b does it make any impact on you know the the scratches to the car so nissan just released the pricing for the 2020 nissan leaf and uh, we see here that there's been a slight increase from last year for the plus model seventeen hundred dollar price increase but you can still get the base model for thirty one six which means that after the $7,500 federal tax credit and in states like Massachusetts where you can get a $2,500 state credit, that would be $21,600 or $10,000 off for a brand new car. That is an excellent price. So keep in mind that that is for the 40 kilowatt hour version and its fast charging network isn't as well built out and it's not as fast at charging, um, but it would make a great second car. Because I, I think for someone who just needs to commute back and forth to work every day, that's there's still enough range in there to, you know, oh, I need to stop at the grocery store and then go pick up Stacy from her ballet recital. What, what's the first car? Uh, the, uh, the Tesla, obviously. <laughs> You'd have a Tesla and then the Leaf would make a great second car that doesn't cost as much um, if you were going for, for new cars. Are you a hacker? Do you want to make good money sitting at home in your bathrobe? Chances are you already do, but you could make 700000 and a brand new Model 3. Zero Day Initiative, this March in Vancouver. So Tesla has been paying out thousands of dollars for hackers to hack their cars. Now, wait a minute. Hackers are bad guys, right? Because no. they are, they're always hacking into things and they're making mean Things happen. I think you're thinking of the movies. Okay. Uh, most hackers are, are good. They're white hat hackers. They like to figure stuff out. And uh, Tesla pays them to do that. In fact, Tesla has paid out in 2018 a max payout per bug report of $15,000. So if you're a hacker and you hack in and figure out something that could be, you know, 
hacked into or that is done wrong and you report it to Tesla, they can pay you up to $15,000. And they have. Tesla has paid a lot of money to hackers and they will be at this zero day initiative. Check out some of the things you can hack into and the points you'll get. Wow. The uh, the pwn points you'll get for doing so. Wow, pwn points. Yeah, you can even win a Model 3. So, I mean, last year they did this as well, and they gave away, I think, two Teslas to, to hackers that were able to hack into things. And the good news about this is they figure out a, a, a weakness or a loophole, they report that to Tesla, and Tesla can fix it. It's really important to note here that Tesla is making it uh, a bigger incentive for hackers to report the bugs to them because then they get money right. instead of them you know, doing some kind of evil hackery thing. So if you offer the right incentives, hackers are going to do the right thing. Yeah, and I mean, Tesla said that it will not void its warranty when a vehicle is hacked for a pre-approved good faith security research. That's according to David Lau, VP of Vehicle Software at Tesla. He said... We develop our cars with the highest standards of safety in every respect, and our work with the security research community is invaluable to us. Since launching our bug bounty program in 2014, the first to include a connected consumer vehicle, we have continuously increased our investments into partnerships with security researchers to ensure that all Tesla owners constantly benefit from the brightest minds in the community. We look forward to learning about and rewarding great work in Pwn to Own so that we can continue to improve our products and our approach to designing inherently secure systems. So, I mean, they're offering really good incentives to hackers. What a job that would be to sit at home in your bathrobe and just be hacking into a Tesla all day. Right. Check this out, Jesse. Uh -huh. You want one of these? This is the Draco GTE. Uh -huh. It is a 1200 horsepower beast of an electric car. It's electric? Yes, it is. Oh and check gosh. out what it can do. It can beat a Model S P100D in ludicrous plus mode. Wow. Now that's on a big, long airstrip, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's going uh, 206 miles per hour top speed with four motors that are 225 kilowatts each. <laughs> it has 150 kilowatts of fast charging, 90 kilowatt hour battery, probably a Tesla battery. <laughs> um, and that's just for the base model. Oh, okay, so, great. Uh, yeah, you can even soup this up more. Now, the base model will cost you uh -huh. $1.25 million. Still excited? Wait, um, you said $1.25 million. Mi Over a million dollars. Million dollars. Yeah, it's a supercar. They're only going to make 25 units, but it does beat the Model SP100D. They are now taking orders, and they should be delivering later this year. So what do you think? Most of the comments I've seen so far is that if it's 13 times more than a Tesla, why would you do it? But I suppose there's got to be a group of people out there that want an exclusive supercar. I think the thing here is it's really nice to see that you can make a car that is that is faster than a Tesla. However, I don't know if it's going to be faster than the next-gen Roadster. No. So we're going to have to see if that's the case. And I mean, that would mean if, if, if the next-gen Roadster could beat it, that would mean you could get four or five next-gen Roadsters for the price of one of these things. So last Tuesday, a big fire started in a Norwegian car park outside of the Stanvager Sola Airport. Now, at least 300 cars burned and about 1,000 more were damaged. Some of the structure of the 3,000-space car park even collapsed. Now, early on, there were rumors that an electric car started the fire, and the Tesla shorts took it and ran with it. That sucks. Man, it, if it was a Tesla that started the fire. Well, or know. even an electric car of any kind. Right, because, I mean, you know, they're all full oh, of Oh, but this just in. Oh, what? The fire chief just reported uh, that it was a 2005 diesel Opel Vauxhall Zafira, that was the culprit. Uh, so EVs got burned in the fire, but get this, none of the battery packs in those EVs were even damaged. Wow. Shows you that they're a little more fireproof than some of the other cars. Yeah, a, guy, it, a guy got back uh, from you know somewhere on the, at the airport, got into his car that hadn't been started in a week, his Opal, mm -hmm. diesel Opal, uh, and took a while to get it started. And when it finally did start, it started to burn. Wow. What are the chances of that? No, uh, it's actually quite common. Check this out. There's been fires reported all over the place over the past few years in uh, Opal Vauxhalls because, uh, yeah, they just they just erupt in flames. 287 reported cases. So this specific car is just a... Yeah. It's just a ticking time bomb, basically? Yeah. Can you imagine if EVs started igniting at that rate? At that rate. I mean, and for no apparent reason yeah. like these these cars didn't crash into anything nope they just were being just, started just start them up 
I just love that, you know, the shorts just so quickly go in there and just start blaming EVs for things right. when it turns out it had nothing to do with them. Wow. We're trying to follow what's going on with the Gigafactory 4 in mm -hmm. Germany, um, and it looks like there might be some slowing down going on a bit here. The good news is that the Brandenburg Parliament has approved the sale of the 302 hectare parcel for 41 million euro or 45 million dollars, but Tesla has not yet signed the deal. And the reason might be that there's two kind of, uh, well, you know how when you buy a house, there's like a home inspection mm -hmm. and you got to make sure everything's working. Yeah, check the foundation and yeah. the plumbing and then the electrical and make sure everything's up to code and all that stuff. What if, what if you're about to buy a house and these two things were potentially wrong? The first is that there are bats living in the forest that Tesla's going to have to chop down. And so these are an endangered species oh. that have to be moved. And the only time you can move them is when they're hibernating. And the only time they're hibernating is during January and February, which means that right now Tesla would have to hire the appropriate experts to move the bats to another habitat. So that has to happen. The second thing that has to happen, they got to look for unexploded World War II bombs. Wait, what? The, what, there's like mines and stuff in there? Uh, I guess, you know, when you drop a lot of bombs from an airplane, some uh -huh. of them don't go off and they just sit in the forest. And well, yeah, before you can do construction, you got to clear them out. That was so long ago, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. So they have they got bats and they got bombs in this forest. And this supposedly has to take place by the end of February. So, uh, yeah that happened. I mean, I kind of thought when they bought the land that this was all kind of taken care of. Uh, but mean, now it appears there's a lot of stepping stones they got to go through here. Do you think they're going to stick with this location? I don't know. I mean, my my thought here is mm -hmm. if you're Tesla, why not be putting out feelers to, you know, Netherlands or some other part of Germany and say, hey, do you got a better parcel? I mean, I know it's near a rail line and everything, but there's, there's a lot of problems here with this parcel. Yeah, I mean, I my initial thought was that like, why Germany? You know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna be running into the, uh, you know, the German government who is deeply in the pockets of, of Volkswagen and the other German auto manufacturers. But you're um, gonna get a, a fantastic workforce. I suppose so. I've, I, I don't know. It seems like just move it a little. Scooch it out a little bit. But you remember that we conjectured a few weeks ago that Gigafactory 4 is going to be big. Mm -hmm. um, and newly released documents show that the first phase of Gigafactory 4 will be just one quarter the size of the final size of the project. So kind of like what we thought. This right. first part of the factory is just a piece of the factory. So you can check that out here. And Gigafactory 4 phase one is expected to be completed by mid-2021 and should be pumping out Model Ys for Europe. So mm. remember, Model Y is their first car and then Model 3 should follow. And then what we just found out is that uh, the new docs also talk about battery production and future vehicles. Interesting. And so, yeah, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, there are these like four quadrants uh, that are surrounded by road. And we'd only seen two buildings go on the, on the left two quadrants, but now it appears that they're just going to duplicate it all four. So, which means that there's totally room to expand. Now, I would argue doesn't have to be exactly there. They can take this exact same concept, move it somewhere else, right? Because they're not starting with anything. It's just a forest. So any bit of land, they can just plop down this blueprint on. Yeah, but what do you think the future vehicles are going to be? You think semi-truck? You think the Roadster? Like what? I Yeah, or, the, or this new uh, Chinese-designed something. We're going to find out. It's going to be yeah. exciting. All right, SpaceX news. SpaceX just launched the Falcon 9 with 60 more Starlink satellites. So now there are 180 in orbit and four more launches are needed or 240 satellites to cover North America with Starlink. What is Starlink again? Starlink is a internet service satellite network. It's going to have really fast speeds. It's going to be available everywhere. Like when they finally cover the globe with it, you could just be out in the ocean. Yeah. Um, and the way that you pick it up, according to Elon, is a UFO on a stick. Oh, yeah. You just push a button and it finds the satellite automatically. So, so this was just the second time that a Falcon 9 booster had flown and been recovered four times. So get that? The booster had gone up and back into space four times. And this is the this second is time that's been done, been done before. Right. Wow. And unfortunately, Go Mystery, the uh, fairing catching boat, did not catch the fairing this mm. time. The other SpaceX news is that Starship's bulkhead pressure test went well, pressurizing past the six bar needed for spaceflight. And, you know, I just learned uh, about the Starlink satellites, that they only have a five-year working life before they deorbit and then burn up. Yeah, I mean, think about five years ago and the technology that we were talking about in terms of even cell phones. In five years, the technology on the Starlink satellites is going to probably look pretty 
outdated. That's just crazy to think about 1,500 days or so, and then you just toss it. Right. Burn it up. Yeah. All right, so CES in Las Vegas just happened. That is the Consumer Electronics Showcase. And there's a few things we wanted to tell you about. The first is the French company Wello. They unveiled their new bike car, the Wello Family Three-Wheeled Pedal Assist Vehicle. So it has what appears to be a 1,000-watt continuous electric motor to assist the pedaling. It costs $8,800, which includes a solar panel on the roof to help charge it. Um, it has speeds from 25 to 40 kilometers an hour. It has a range up to 100 kilometers. You can carry a second passenger or child in the back or up to 80 kilograms or 176 pounds of cargo in the back. What's cool here is how they have this patented stability system that leans into the turns for more stability. Hmm. Um, there's very few specs, but they do say that the advanced solar panels on the roof can completely power the vehicle. Interesting. I mean, the price is pretty steep. Yeah. Um, especially since there aren't too many places in the world that I can think that this vehicle really fits, um, which is unfortunate. I think that there should be more places in the world where this vehicle is like, oh, that totally makes sense for, you know, 90% of the vehicles are this. Well, why don't you think it fits? The, where, where do you drive it? City streets. I don't know. So you're saying it only fits certain cities? Like I can totally fit, picture this in like Paris. Right. Uh, maybe. maybe because it's a French company. I don't know. I, I think that if you had, if everyone were driving around these or 90% of the people were driving something like this or just bikes, that it wouldn't seem as scary because if you got into an accident, you're A, not going to be going that fast. Uh, the other person isn't going to be in a big heavy vehicle. You're not going to get thrown around too much. You know, it, it'll be a low energy collision. Um, whereas I think if you get into a an accident with something big, you're going to regret it. Hmm. Another product unveiled at CES is Wallbox. This is a Spanish company which just unveiled its latest home EV charging box, the Quasar. Now, you might be saying, I have seen so many charging boxes. Who cares? This can charge your car at 7.4 kilowatts, but it can also charge your house. What? So this is a both-way charger. So you can you can actually pull energy out of your electric car to power your house. Oh, okay. So that's why it's $4,000. Yes. Okay. So it is a vehicle-to-grid box. So, for example, you could plug in your, your 60-kilowatt-hour Nissan Leaf and use it to power your house like more than four power walls. Like that's the same amount of energy oh. as more than four power walls. Right, because four power walls would set you back like $24,000. Yes. And so at $4,000, the Quasar seems like a, a steal. Oh, yeah. um, especially since you're getting, you know, the same amount of, of stuff just with your car. And I mean, because it has a DC inverter, it can charge EVs like the Harley Davidson Livewire motorcycle um, in one hour versus overnight with AC level charging one, which is normally how you have to charge that bike at home. So that is pretty cool. I'm dying to see this thing. We've reached out to the company and hopefully we'll be able to review it. So a surprise at CES was that Sony unveiled their own EV concept. No, Sony uh, doesn't. They make the TVs and stuff. They don't make cars. They debuted the Vision S concept, which is uh, an electric car with lots of cool features in it. Wait, why does Sony want to make an electric car? They don't. Then why do they do it? Okay, well, uh, so Izumi Kawanishi, the executive officer of Sony Robotics, said that the Vision S is Sony's contribution to the evolution of cars. Wait, so Sony's getting into the car market? Uh, he said not at the moment. So they, they came out with this electric car because they want to contribute to the evolution of cars, but they're not going to make the car. They just want to make the stuff that goes oh, in the okay. car. So I get it. So basically, yeah, they want to provide stuff to auto manufacturers in car stuff like which entertainment. Is, which is and, what I've been talking about. Gotcha. You know, it's new, it's new uh, PS5. Yes. That Pop makes, that right in a... Boom. But why don't they just do that instead of making a whole concept car? Because then they'd have to choose an auto manufacturer uh, and, and then have to upstage other auto manufacturers and make them mad. So right. instead, gotcha. they made this Model S clone. No, that was smart. Let's be fair. That it's a smart. Model S clone to show off what they're doing. But they're to be clear, they're not going to make a car, which gotcha. I'm disappointed about because they would probably do a pretty decent job at making a car. I mean, Maybe. An electric car. Better than some of the other uh, you know, big auto manufacturers that we've been looking at. Now, here's an auto manufacturer that was at CES, but they weren't. 
Uh, so I guess to save money, Fisker unveiled their Ocean Electric SUV at a different venue uh, so that they could save some money. CEO and chairman of Fisker, Henrik Fisker, hopped out of the rear of the SUV and announced that the Ocean will start deliveries in 2022 with a base price, get this, mm-hmm. of $37,499, which means that after the $7,500 federal tax credit, it is a sub $30,000 EV. Wow. Okay. Where can I buy one? Uh, well, you'll be able to buy one in 2022 from uh, Fisker. They will have, I guess, a couple brick-and-mortar stores, but mainly you'll be ordering online. The range, as we remember now, is 250 to 300 miles is their target. It'll have an 80-kilowatt-hour battery. The top model will have a 0 to 60 time of 2.9 seconds. They'll be using some recycled plastic carpets, some recycled rubber tires to make some of the trim. It'll have a vegan interior and full-length solar roof for up to three miles per day of range. Question is, can they actually pull it off? Can they actually produce it? That's the question that we're asking about a lot of car manufacturers. This is another one. It's a very exciting car. Looks great. Can I buy it? Can I get it? We're going to have to find out in two years. All right, it's time to play Which is the Lie? Okay. Daimler and BMW formed a joint venture called FreeNow, a mobility ride-hailing app in Europe, and they are now ordering 60 Teslas to expand their electric fleet in Hamburg, Germany. So that is your first choice. Ooh, that sounds like a lie. Why would why would Daimler and BMW be buying Teslas why would they for be, a network? Why would they, they even be getting together at all? Right? Okay, yeah. yeah. Or this electric bike was the first electric vehicle on the moon. Hmm. I don't remember seeing it. But look at these pictures. Huh. I mean, they're not moon pictures, but they're definitely... That would, that would give it away, obviously. Right, I didn't want to... Right. Um, so which is it? Which one's the lie? That's tough. They both seem pretty improbable. I mean, on the moon? Would you really want a scooter on the moon? I mean, I would. That sounds sick, like fun. You could do some <laughs> sick jumps. I would, if I was like an astronaut, I'd be setting up some ramps and yeah. doing some serious I mean, jumps. you just use a crater, right? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the VW buying... Teslas, come on. That's got to be the lie. It's true. Daimler and BMW formed this joint app uh, called Free Now, where you can hail a car. Okay. And uh, they needed more electric vehicles, and they apparently don't make enough of their own. I mean, think about it. They only make the i3, really. So they needed some electric cars. We don't know if it's going to be Model 3s yet, but they ordered 60 Teslas. Wow. That's true. And false, uh, that is not the first vehicle on the moon. The first was the Lunar Rover, which is an electric vehicle. But this was tested. They they weren't sure if they were going to have the Rover ready in time. So they were working on this, and they actually tested it in the Vomit Comet to see how it would work on the moon. Uh, And if the Rover hadn't been ready in time, they would have been scooting around on a scooter. I wonder how that would have changed how we think about electric mobility. Seeing some astronauts on the moon. With electric scooters, you'd well, have been like, we did, this was, this was the, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, you'd have been like, we did see them in electric cars. It was the first electric passenger car, you know? Yeah, but like, on the moon. people are used to seeing cars. They weren't used to seeing like moon bikes. I know. I know. Why didn't they just go ahead and bring that up on one of the missions and use it? Yeah, just put it in the, put it in the trunk. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. Now, if you've got some ideas, I mean, we get contacted all the time from people who are like, I got the story for you. Well, go ahead and shoot it because that would be the best way to tell it. We need video coverage. And you telling the story is way more interesting than us telling some story about in Idaho there's a town doing something. If you're there, that's way more exciting. So if you have any interesting stories happening anywhere near you or something that you want to cover, please, please film your own video. Make it two minutes or less. Send it to us. We would love to put it in the show because we're running out of video contributor stories so mike sent us this one check this out hi second jesse this is mike and as you can certainly tell from my accent i am german so but not it's not me that is interesting the interesting part is my car and you see here my almost new model 3 and it looks quite ordinary but have a closer look
You have surely noticed this is a driving school car. And I think it's one of the first Model 3 driving school cars in Germany. And I tell you what, my students love it. So, second jersey. As we would say, weiße Bescheid. You would say, now you know. Weiße Bescheid. Weiße Bescheid. Thank you, Mike. It's so cool that we picked a name that works so well in German. I'd be so afraid to let new drivers <laughs> drive in my Model 3. <laughs> All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. You know that you can head over there now for as little as a buck a month if you're not already a Patreon. Support us and get to see all of our Patreon bonus stories, which we're about to go record. And we've got like, what, 10 this week? We have so many. We so, always have so many because there's so much stuff that we can't show on this show um, because there's video clips that would get this demonetized or... We're just not enough time. Yeah. we There's a lot of nuance that goes into the Patreon bonus stories. I don't know if people know that. So just go try it out. Like head yeah. over to Patreon, support us for just a buck a month. You could do it for just one month and see. You could binge watch basically right. all the Patreon bonus stories if you really wanted to. See you there. Hey, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time for our shout outs. And you know that these people, and along with everyone else who supports us at $5 or more, gets their name and the end credits at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. So who do we have this week, Jess? We have Kirk Shalowski, Theosis Northam, Alf Megalund Larson, Ever Bamboo, Grove Pashley, Petri Hetanen, Dewey Moss, Timothy McVeigh, Kyle Sweeney, Sofian Fraval, Rob Sarkissian, Todd Moody. Zach Ott and Ray Monogold. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We can't do it without you. All right, it's time for Elon's tweets of the week. We've got quite a few. The first one, uh, Anner says, "What's your favorite font?" And uh, Buff, who's Buff Mage? Oh, he, you, that's you're his name. Following the wrong guy. No, no, he that, that's uh, Elon's name this week. You know, he changes his name sometimes. But Buff that, Mage, huh? Yeah. Well, he's a Buff Mage. He said hard <laughs> gothic. Yeah. Is that a, what? I don't know what that even looks uh, like. Boys, show it what hard gothic font looks like. I actually couldn't find it. And then Trent said, when's feature complete FSD coming out? Yeah, we've been asking that. And yeah. he said, soon. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, Rain Wilson, you know, the actor from uh, The Office, he said, Elon, what about a men's fragrance called Elon, a musky scent? Get it? Elon Musk. It could smell of grit, ingenuity, and genius with just a hint of insanity and desperation. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say Buff Mage again. Buff Mage said great idea. And then Grimes tweeted this out. Yeah. Not the only picture, but the one we're going to show on this show. Um, and then uh, Buff Mage said X is Y. Well, on a bunch of these, Tesla owner Silicon Valley said, hey, Elon, can we get the search option in our Tesla app in order to search from anywhere in the car on the Netflix and YouTube app? And Buff Mage <laughs> said, sure. So what can you do on your app on your phone? You can search for a movie and then have it pop up in your car? I guess okay. so. I don't um, need that feature. Honestly, we, I could live without that one. Here's another one. Uh, hey, Elon, as discussed on our podcast, we all think it would be awesome to have the interior facing camera and mic be activated as part of sentry mode during a break in. Thanks. And Buff Mage said, okay. Great. I like um, that one. And while we're asking for things, uh, Burhan said, please consider a feature to look for bicyclists with the side cameras when car is parked and lock the door to prevent dooring if there is a bicycle approaching the blind spot. Mm. Dooring in large cities is major cause of injuries. Happened to me. And Buff said. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, we're going to get a bunch of cool features. Yeah. All right. It's time for community mail time. Community mail time. So Chris and his family traveled up to Eugene, Oregon, and they visited Arkimoto's factory. He said, when we arrived, they really rolled out the red carpet for us and gave my family a personal tour of the entire factory. I was amazed at how clean and inviting of a work environment it was. Safety and organization was clearly a priority for them. Stations were efficient and well lit. It made me so happy to see, as a shareholder, how they valued their employees and how less stressed the work atmosphere was. At the time we visited, they had 40 vehicles produced or delivered and are at a current production rate of one per day and will soon increase to two or three per day. They also stated that current capacity of that single factory can potentially be rated at 10,000 vehicles per year. Overall, we had a great time and wanted to share this experience with you and the community. Isn't that cool? That is cool. So Kenny wrote to us from Canberra in southeastern Australia, where he reports that the bushfire crisis is absolutely massive in scale, with 63 
8,000 square kilometers, 24,000 square miles, on fire, setting records for the size, intensity, and even the temperature here in the most populous cities, upwards of 45 plus degrees Celsius. Now, these fires are not even expected to stop for at least another month. He reports that the air quality index, which measures PM 2.5 particles, is off the charts. This picture of the Parliament House before the fires, and now take a look at it during the fires. Those who want to help can donate via the Australian Red Cross. The link is down below. So then we got the supercharger update from our friend Alex. He said, currently the supercharger in Quartzsite, Arizona is eight stalls up to 120 kilowatts, but I noticed that Tesla had put a bunch of temporary urban superchargers all connected to their own power packs. Awesome. Next to this was a sign that read 28 version three superchargers coming soon. They are underway putting in 28 superchargers that will be V3, that's 250 kilowatts. And I was extremely excited to see this. Not only will it be one of their larger supercharger locations, but they will all be 250 kilowatts, which is great for all Tesla owners traveling between Arizona and California. There's also a version three with eight stalls in Ehrenberg, a few miles away, but Quartzsite is a more popular hub for travelers. Well, thank you, Alex. And Patrick sent us this auto Cybertruck snowplow idea. He said, I was just driving around and saw one of those huge snowplow banks in the parking lots and thought, imagine when the Cybertruck could do that on autopilot. And then I thought about Zach's request for someone to make an automatic snowblower. If you have the truck, you may be able to do this at home. This actually potentially could be a Tesla update in the future. Yeah, using Tesla summon and some screws, <laughs> you could just- And some screws? Well, to put a plow on the front oh, of the yeah. truck. Well, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be plow- hitch available like every truck is okay. so you put the plow on you stay asleep and you just have it drive around your your driveway doing a loop or something yeah yeah i love it uh we want to give a shout out to our buddy yates in colorado who just got a model three congratulations, congratulations. and we have an update from our friend robert in china hey zach and jesse it's rob from chicago hope you're doing great wanted to check in with you guys from gig factory three in shanghai china so, uh, as you know, uh, they're in a kind of a safe uh, startup mode. They're producing around 1,500 units per week, uh, which is fantastic. They're due to uh, double that to around 3,000. And just given the size of this uh, this new factory, I think they could probably do better. Maybe, maybe up to 3,300 units per week. And right behind me, our brand new Model 3 is leaving the factory. There they go. Truck after beautiful truck uh, leaving the factory. So anyway, just checking in with you guys. See ya. Bye. Wow, we visited the Gigafactory. Yeah. Wow. All right, it's time for our on-air question of the week. And remember that we've got our new on-air questions with Zach and Jesse uncut that we do every month on Patreon. So if you want to hear all of these uh, questions and answers, we do a half-hour show there. You can uh, sign up at the $4 above level and get to hear all of it. And here is just one of many questions that people who have signed up at that level get to ask us and that we answer. So Kevin S. asked us, here in the rural areas of the United States, wildlife encounters with vehicles are a big problem, costing both owners and insurers big bucks, at least a 10-pointer. <laughs> Do you have any data on autopilot's ability to avoid these situations through automatic braking? I think to answer this question, we should talk about an email we got from Wayne this week. Yes. Wayne wrote in, he said, Hey, Zach and Jesse, huge fan of the show and have been watching almost from the beginning. You guys helped me through a long two-year wait for my Model 3. I'm now a Patreon supporter. Completely support everything you're doing. Well, thank you. Um, this dash cam video shows how close to disaster that I came with a deer. I was on my way back home to Toronto from a road trip to Vermont. All of a sudden, a deer came out in front of me and I was doing about 100 kilometers on a two-lane highway. I had no time to react. I only realized a few minutes later that it was my car that took evasive action. When I got home, I was very surprised to see how well the car did. I love my car very much. I love the tech. I agree with your contention that buying an EV car is really the start to a more sustainable lifestyle. My family and friends and even strangers noticed my passion for the planet. As well as my Model 3, I own a used Kia Soul EV. will never own an ICE car again. So, yes, when you see the car swerving, that is not Wayne doing that. That is his Model 3. Wow. To answer Kevin's question, do we have any data? No, this is just you know anecdotal mm -hmm. evidence. But if this early on, if the car is able to see a deer and swerve, imagine in the future when the neural net gets trained, it's going to be able to learn more about wildlife than we humans are because... 
lot of times if you pass a deer and you didn't even see it, you didn't even know to look for it. Whereas the computer could be like, that was a deer. Tell the tell the rest of the Tesla fleet there's a deer on Route 4. And just just for fun, it could it could just save that footage. Yeah. And later on, you'd be like, oh, wow, look at the deer that we saw. All right, it's time for the results of our Patreon poll last week. We asked, how high do you think Tesla stock price will get in 2020? And so you can see there, uh, most people said $600, but it was a pretty wide uh, spread there. Um, some people said to infinity and beyond. And some people said 450 and uh, they're already wrong. <laughs> so... All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews, and this is now sponsored by our friends at Evanex. So if you're looking for some awesome accessories for your Tesla, check out Evanex and use our discount code down in the show notes below to save you even more. Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is Kevin from Wisconsin reporting on the six-stall Supercharger location outside of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. The Superchargers are located on the southwest corner of the Grand Geneva Resort and Spa property near the tennis courts and children play yard. This location is a bit of a challenge to find. Hopefully in your Tesla it will lead you right to the exact spot. Hi guys, it's Matt here from the UK. I've hired this lovely Tesla Model S 75D for the day and I'm driving around the Midlands of England. Um, so I've visited a few superchargers and I thought I'd give you an insight into what we've got going on in the Midlands. So I'm here at the, the Woodall supercharger which is on the southbound M1 um, and you, you can see it's a eight-stall supercharger station. <clears throat> There's one Model X here with me at the moment. There's been a couple of Model S's come through as well um, and I've been here for the sort of past half an hour or so. The, in terms of the amenities here, um, obviously it's quite loud with the road. Uh, we've got a, um, a few kind of chains, there's a McDonald's, Burger King, etc. Um, and all your kind of standard coffee shops. Hey, Zach and Jesse, it's Elizabeth here from Los Gatos, California, and we are at an Urban Charger here for our Tesla. There are four Urban Chargers here right behind the Flights restaurant on um, Los Gatos Saratoga Road. There's also two chargers that are for other electric vehicles. So pretty conveniently located right downtown Los Gatos. And obviously you can have dinner at Flights Restaurant or there's tons of restaurants. You're really at the beginning of Santa Cruz Avenue here. So there's lots of really great options for eating and shopping. Anyway, now you know. Hey Zach and Jesse. Uh, I'm here at the Dent Ohio West Cincinnati, Ohio uh, supercharger station. Uh, it's in a U-shape. Uh, there's one pull-through uh, right over there. Uh, there's 12 stalls, um, the old style, 120 kilowatt. Um, I've been charging at about 100 and it's been coming down. Uh, anyway, so the mire here is 24 hours, which is great. You can just grab a drink, whatever you need to get going back on the road. Uh, there's a pharmacy, which I'm sure has hours, a bank, and a Great Clips all inside there on, on the thing. So there's like, it's huge. Um, across the road, right over here, there's a Wendy's and a White Castle. And back down the road this way, it's a little walk, maybe five minutes is a McDonald's. Uh, probably just go through the drive-thru. So it's a nice area, maybe a little busy during the day, but um, yeah, there's 24 hour bathrooms and everything, so uh, I'd give it a 8 or 9 out of 10. It's pretty good. Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Norman at the Yermo Supercharger on the way to Vegas. Just wanted to let you guys know this one is probably rated a 10 out of 10. Lots of stalls here, and not much around outside of the gas station here, but there is a food court that has lots of different options and nice clean bathrooms. So, can't ask for much more than that. Checking out from Yermo. Now you know. Wow, I love the supercharger reviews. And so does Matt. Yeah. You might be asking, who is Matt? Matt from Evanex. He loves them so much that he wanted to help support this show um, by sponsoring specifically the supercharger reviews. Yeah. So, hey, what do we got for new superchargers this week? We have the six stall in London, 150 kilowatts in North Greenwich, UK. 
We got the 10 stall Urban in Alpharetta, Avalon, Georgia. And the 8 stall 150 kilowatt supercharger in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. Ooh, we have to go visit that one. Yes. All right, Sam, for our Patreon giveaway. This week, we're going to be giving away a Falcon Heavy Tapestry. Wow, why don't you show that off while yeah. I pick our winner? All right. Pick that up. Wow. Holy smokes, that's big. Huh? Wouldn't that be cool to hang up? All right, well, let's find out who wins this giant tapestry. And this, by the way, is from EcoWare. Mm-hmm. The winner is Mike Electric Future. Mike Electric Future, congratulations. You've won, and we will be sending you that tapestry. That's so awesome. Yeah. We, we have so many cool items on EcoWare now. We do. We have so many shirts. We have so many new designs. So, I mean, if you checked it out a while ago and you were like, nah, nothing for me, Go check it out again. We've, we've been uploading designs constantly. Bobby is super busy coming up with lots of great new designs. So check it out every week. we got yeah. new designs every week. So, um, and we wanted to plug a past video that we've done on the show. A video that we did just about a year ago exactly. Oh, yeah. And it's about five-year plans. And specifically, Elon's five-year plan. We're currently one year into – well, I guess he didn't send us his five-year plan. But we kind of – we threw together some numbers. You can see what they are and see how close we we got. Oh, right, because if he followed our plan, this would show what, where he'd be. Right. And also, just for you people out there who are planning out your, your new year, five-year plan, something to think about. 2020, yeah. start of a new decade, you know? Where, where are you going to be in 2025, you know? Kind of question. Kind of a magical electric car is you going to be driving? Yeah. Maybe a Mazda... MX30, <laughs> huh? Oh, I hope not. If that's our electric future, I Artificially don't... slowed oh. down to keep up with the don't want boring to be ice cars. Hey, but you know, I do want to plug Masterclass. Um, yeah. You can help support the show by going over to Masterclass and seeing if any of those professors of, of mastery... Now, calling them professors, I think, is the wrong well, thing, because these are people that you've heard of before. Yes, but like Martin Scorsese. I just took a class from him... Um, <laughs> From my buddy Martin. Um, he is a professor at NYU. Mm -hmm. And then I looked it up. I was like, well, what if I went to NYU to sign up, you know, to be a student there? It would cost me. Guess how much it would cost me? Uh, $1,000. $49,062 to take one year of classes at NYU. And yes, Martin Scorsese is a professor of film at NYU. But you can go over to Masterclass, and for a lot less than that, you can uh, basically have him sitting with you, like, right across from you, telling you all these stories. He was not only telling stories, but he's also telling you all of his secrets to how he's a master director. And I think right. pretty much everyone would agree he's an amazing director. And the, the cool thing is, is that even if you're not going to be a master director, even, you know, and, you know, they have uh, they have uh, Dead Mouse on there. They have uh, Danny Elfman. They've got, like, well, lots of people that you've heard of yeah. on there. I mean, they have Chris Hatfield, the astronaut who yeah. went to the International yeah, Space Station. Yeah, you can learn how to be an astronaut. Right. It's, it's a really, really fun way to excite yourself because yeah. even if you're like, okay, I definitely can't be an astronaut, you know, I'm, I'm too old, I'm, I don't have a right arm or whatever, you know, you can at least be excited and, and about learning about what they know. Right. And, and the, the, these are people who have really succeeded in life. I right. think that there's, there's no they, uh, denying that. And to hear their stories about success and how they got there, you realize that it wasn't, they weren't on some like fast track to success. It's right. not like they were on some kind of like uh, train. M Martin Scorsese was going to be a priest. You know? <laughs> wow. I mean like, yeah, it's just really interesting to hear about like he ha he could have gone in two different directions. Right. And so to see that into into with many, many, many amazing people. I don't know. It's really cool. It's I, really I just inspiring. encourage you to go check it out. Yeah. And if you are going to check it out, you can use the link down below. And it really helps support the show. Because yep. um, you might look at the price tag. You might be like, oh, my goodness. But know that a lot of it is going to us. And that's going to really help us with this show. So thank you so much for watching. Now you know. <laughs>